Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday people share real and personal stories. Some are profound and challenging, while others are more common and relatable, shared with honesty and humor. But all of these stories reveal what God can do in our lives when we trust Him with the details. Thanks for joining us. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Kelly, from the Storytellers Live team. On each episode, a different woman shares her story, often in a live setting, with the bottom line being that God is good. On today's episode, you'll hear from Heather, who has not only fought through several open heart surgeries and breast cancer, but has also become a mom to five children through international adoption. Heather and her husband most recently adopted two older children, a brother and sister from Ukraine, who were 15 and 11 years old, respectively, at the time. This was in early 2015. Whenever you talk with Heather, she is one of these people who comes across as so calm and collected and poised. So it's almost easy to assume that her faith and decisions for really everything she's gone through, not just the adoptions, that that all has come easily. But Heather shares the reality of their decision process for their last adoption, which was far from easy or comfortable. And I can personally relate to that as my husband and I adopted our daughter Caroline from China when she was 12. And while we were very drawn to her, the process of recognizing God's plan and reaching a decision to take that leap of faith was a little overwhelming to say the least. But it's always fun to look back and see all the ways that God revealed and confirmed His plans. And I think you'll love hearing those aspects of Heather's story. As she learned, when something stays on your mind, be curious and see what God is saying about it. Here's Heather. Um, well, good morning. And I'm Heather, and I, um, I guess I'll I put my I put picture up there because that kind of helps me to kind of especially when you have five kids and keep track of them all. So, um, <laughs> um, this is our family. It's a little bit, it's like about three years old. So, um, we have Sebastian, Julia, Elizabeth, Nikita, and Christian. And I, I brought an addendum because my voice changed so much from that picture. So I brought a little addendum that's from last weekend. So those are, are my kids and, um, I'm married to Adam, um, my husband. And, um, just let me start by saying my husband, um, always tells me that I need to let go of some of the details because it destroys the story. Um, so today I just have to put that out there. It's going to be frustration, but I've got to leave some of the details out of this, this story because y'all, we we just do not have five hours um, to keep it all in. So, um, uh, and also speaking in front of you know people is you know can be a little intimidating for me, and it's just not something that I really get excited about. Um, so, but today kind of fits with one of the themes I wanted to, wanted to talk about, and I learned years ago from Pastor. Um, his name is Doug Rumford, and he said that faith takes place at the edge of risk. If you're not sure of God's will, do the scarier thing. So today I'm stepping out and doing the scarier thing. <laughs> um, let me kind of set the stage for my story because um, I think I have a story and I have lots of other stories. I have kind of a lot of stories. So I wanted to kind of touch on some some different stories before I get to the main story where people have heard and said, oh, you should tell your story. Um, because I think through all these different stories, God has been working um, on my perseverance, making me stronger, helping me to grow in my faith and grow closer to Him. Um, I'm going to start kind of back in my mid-20s. Um, 
I had a congenital heart disease. Um, it's called aortic stenosis, and my bow, aortic valve was small. So I'm gonna. I had. Um, at the time, about seven years in my 20s, I had four open heart surgeries. And, and the, during the second surgery, um, surgery was going well. They finished up with the valve and they were getting my heart you know, off the heart lung machine. And there was a moment that it started beat on its own. Well, it only beat about 20 seconds on its own, and then it stopped. So the surgeon started using his hand to beat my heart so they could get it back on the heart lung machine. So they didn't know what was going on. You know, there's, they took a vein on my leg. They tried to bypass and, you know, just really stumped the surgeon. And the nurse had gone out to tell my husband what was going on. And he said he just prayed God's will and that God's will would be done and that no matter what God had planned for my life, that he would be okay with it. So I go back in there and they just decide to, to let my heart rest. And my heart rested. And then it started back up. So God had my hand on his hand on my life that day. And and then again, I had um, during my third surgery, Adam and I had just gotten home from California. Um, I was trying to feel weird and, you know, I didn't know what was going on. So we decided it was late in the day, kind of towards the evening, or I decided to go to the emergency room. And we couldn't decide whether to stay. And y'all, okay, I'm cutting out some details here. There's really kind of some, some funny <laughs> stuff here, but I'm going to keep moving on. Um, but we kind of decided, okay, well, let's go. We, I remember we went, went and grabbed a bite to eat. And then we came back because we were like, ah, should we stay? Should we not stay? And I want to spend my night in the hospital. And, and they said, you know, let us just watch you. Um, let's just observe you overnight. So about 2 a.m. that night. I remember being in the hospital bed, and I woke up, and I and I raised up, and I gasped, <gasps> and that's all I remember. But Adam remembers. Um, he remembers they came in, they pushed him out of the way, they brought a cart in, and they brought paddles, and they zapped me and got me back going again. So the natural natural pacemaker of my heart had blown during that time. And so the next morning I have surgery and they put in a pacemaker and they replaced my aortic valve again um, because that was my original symptoms for going to the hospital were saying that I needed that valve replaced again. So this time, each time I had to decide, you know, what there are, there's different types of valves that you can choose. And um, this time we chose a mechanical valve. And with a mechanical valve, you're on a blood thinner. And um, a blood thinner doesn't jive so well with being pregnant. The other valves I had chosen were ones that I just took an aspirin so we could, you know, start that family. And we got married. Um, we're trying to trying to get started on that family. And I had, I had in, my, in my journal that I prayed because I was trying to get everything on my time. You know, when would be the best time to be pregnant and all that? And so I realized that it's got to be God's timing and it's got to be his plan and not mine. Well, he was working out that plan. I recovered and I met with the surgeon and I was still holding on to that dream of having biological children. And the surgeon, I asked the surgeon, you know, what do you think? You know, do you think I could, you know, I'd kind of learned about there's these shots, you know, you could take and kind of bypass all the, you know, the oral medications. And he's like, no, it's like, Heather, I, I wouldn't do it. Your heart has been through too much, and I wouldn't put any more pressure on it. I wouldn't put it through anymore. So I had prayed for an answer, and I got it. And sometimes a no from God, um, it's hard to understand. 
But I knew to trust him because I had trusted him with my surgeries, and I knew that um, that he that he was in control, and that helped me to move forward. You know, getting an answer kind of helps us to to go forward. So we did. We got we went forward in 2002. We started an adoption process. We adopted two baby boys. It's Christian and Sebastian. These two, and um, they're now 16. And we adopted them from Russia. And again, there's lots of great details and richness <laughs> in that story. And, and walking with God and um, just following his will and trusting in him. But I got to move forward. Um, in 2005, we find out that um, we were going to move. And I really am not a big fan of change. And so um, I really didn't want to move. I was, uh, I grew up in Kansas and I was in Kansas city. We were in Kansas city at the time and I was happy there. I, you know, I'm good. I was good. I can just stay right here. Um, but God had something for us in Milwaukee and he stretched me and through all of that. And really, again, um, my faith was still growing. And so later that year, we got settled in Milwaukee with our boys, and we decided to um, start. I got excited about starting on an adoption for a little girl. See, we had talked about it back when we were in Kansas City, and then the move came, and we couldn't get you know go forward with the adoption. We kind of had to wait till all that settled down. So I, you know, I'm already like, okay, let's go with this. You know, I've been waiting already. I want to, I want to get started. I had this another. I had another plan that said, you know, my boys are getting to be older. I want my kids kind of close together. You know, they grow up together. You know, I had these great plans, but again, my timeline and God's timeline were different. And that adoption ended up taking three years. And most of that was due to the government delays over in Russia um, because we decided to go back to Russia and go to the same area that my boys were from. So about two years in, I started questioning, you know, God, is this, you know, what we're supposed to do? Um should we change countries? We got all the paperwork ready for the, for another country. Um, we had been, the possibility of a domestic adoption kind of had come up. Um, just all these things. But, um, during that time I was going to community Bible study and we were studying Samuel and in first Samuel 13, Saul was to wait on Samuel but Saul started to get anxious. He was feeling the pressure. Things were getting tough, and uh, he took matters into his own hands. And I noticed, wow, I have that tendency. When I want my plan to work out, I start to take it into my own hands, and I start to doubt God. And I really felt that God was telling me to wait, that he is in control, and that I needed to be patient for him. So finally in 2008, like I said, three years later, we brought home Julia. She was 20 months of age at the time. And man, if, if it had gone according to my plan, she would not have been born yet. And I'm so thankful. Sorry. That God was teaching me to walk with him and wait with him. Um, so I didn't cry when I was practicing this. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so, okay, now we're kind of getting to the story that um, it's kind of leaning up to. It was um, 2013, and we'd been in Birmingham for three years now. 
and getting acquainted with the South, which is great. And um, again, I found community Bible study and I'd gone a few times and heard um, some of the women speaking and sharing about how they had been used by God and, you know, these just really cool ways. And I thought, you know, I I was hesitant, but, you know, I want to pray. You know, I felt this passion to be used by God and I wanted to start, start being used for his glory. So I asked God to use me. And uh, one of the ways I kind of felt um, soon after that, I felt like, you know, one of the ways God could use me and our family was to serve as a family. So I'd been um, praying about, you know, how can we serve as a family? Uh, where, what are some opportunities? So we were connected um, to Grace to Ukraine, and they are a ministry that has uh, hosts kids in the summer from Ukraine for about a month, a little over a month. And um, so we kind of asked, what do you, what, how can we help? What can we do? And so they need people, you know, to bring, bring meals kind of, you know, you could sponsor a trip, but you know, just a local little trip to the skating rink or whatever. So I started, you know, following them on Facebook and I started looking at the pictures and, and I see this picture, the youngest girl that was in the group was a nine-year-old. Her name was Yulia and Yulia had lots of pictures of her smiling. There were pictures of her with her brother. Her brother was Nikita, a 14-year-old, and they were both, there seemed in every picture to be smiling or hugging, you know, the people that, um, the facilitators that had brought them over, and I just kept having them on my mind, it just, I just remember it sticking with me, and it, and at our anniversary dinner with my husband in June, I was like, maybe I should bring this up. Mm, I was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> but I'd been praying. I'm like, what is this, God? I don't, and, you know, kind of like, what? what is this for? And so I thought, you know, maybe if I do share it with Adam, he'll probably go, nah, you know, he'll shoot me down. So, yeah, hey, that would be an answer to prayer, you know? <laughs> kind of going, okay, no problem. So, um he didn't shoot me down. He, instead, he said, you don't need to worry. If something is on your mind, then you need to see what God is saying about it. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. So I'll, I'll, I'll keep praying. I'll kind of, you know, just kind of let it rest. Well, the next day I drive um, my son over to um, the Georgia football camp because we have a little bulldog fan. And um, on the way over to Athens, I was listening to messages. And one of the message series I was listening to was the follow series that Andy Stanley does. And he said in there that if something is always on your mind, there's a reason. And that just struck me because that is like the night before my husband said the same thing. And then um, I started in my list, the list of it's going to be it's too hard. Um, It'll disrupt our family. You know, financially, it's going to is, you know, I got to think about the finances involved of raising five children, you know, the adoption, all that you have to consider. And one of the sadly, one of the big things was we moved to Alabama and I heard everybody talking about these beach houses. And I was like, I want to say we're a beach house. That is my dream. I had just gone to the Gulf Coast for the first time. And I was like, that is my goal. So um, I had to really look um, at my dreams. And I really felt what I call this swift kick in the immediately thought how selfish my dreams were not God's dreams and I you know I didn't want the hardships I didn't want to you know you know I didn't want to bring that on and and I had to think and 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 really pray about handing my dreams over to God because if I want to follow his will my dreams have got to be his dreams 
So I really do want to say though right now that if you you do want to dump into adoption, it is important to really consider those things. It does disrupt your family. It can be tough financially. <coughs> But if you have, you know, you have faith and you really feel God is calling you to it, you also have to trust that he can handle it. See, I knew God can handle tough things. I had seen that in my my life, and um, I knew that he can handle it if that was his will. So we get back home, kind of see on the kitchen uh, island the, the mail that was there, and I get this newsletter that I, like, rarely ever get. And it was from, it was an adoption newsletter, and I pick it up. And I look at it, and on the front cover, it says, Adopting Teens. I was like, really? Like, okay, God. Um, okay, what are we going to do with this? So, uh, so I called Grace to Ukraine. I said, well, how can we kind of get, you know, what can we do to help? So we ended up sponsoring. We went to McWayne Center with them, and I saw this Yulia and Nikita there. And the way that I can describe it best is they just had a light. They just had this light about them. They were happy. Like they would pull in the adults that were there with them and and show them, you know, what they're learning. Or they would be sitting next to them or they'd have their arm around them. You know, they were just so happy, especially for kids that age. Because, you know, you go to McWayne Center, kids that age, they're like, Ugh, this is totally boring. Or they're pestering the girls and the boys are pest you know, they're pestering each other. But these two really weren't. They were just they just had this cool light about them. And I kind of thought, oh, you know, we're kinda of leaving. I'm like, yeah, that's nice. You know, they're just good kids. And um then the facilitator was saying, Oh, can y'all, you know, thank Mrs. Rhodes because we helped sponsor the the trip there. And this one boy comes up and gives me a hug and his name's Nikita. And, um, I was like, I got to the car and I was like, like, Oh, okay. Whoa, God. Okay. What was that? And then I thought, well, you know, nothing was really big. Um, no wow moments with, with Yulia. Um, but the next time we got to gather with Grace to Ukraine, I did have that wow moment with Yulia and I just prayed after that you know, what do I do with all this? Like, are you doing something here, God? Like, what in the world? We were perfectly fine with three kids. We did not have um, anything more than that in our plan. So um, I just prayed for his will to be done and that I would be fine with whatever his will was either way. So after the summer, the kids um, that come over with Grace to Ukraine, they go back. And by October, I still had these two on my mind. So I tell Adam, he says, we'll call and check on him. So I called Grace to Ukraine, and, and she says that um, there was a family that was um, pursuing adoption of these two. So I was like, oh, good. That's awesome. I can be their prayer warrior. Like, I can totally, I can totally do that. So that was, that was kind of a little relief. And um, come, like, mid-November, I was like, Adam, I'm still thinking about those two kids. And he says, well, Heather, call and check on them. So I call and check on them. And that family that was pursuing adoption had to back out. The dad was um, about to be laid off from his job. So now I was like, okay, now what? (laughs) So I prayed for clarity. Do I pray for this father to get his job back? You know, do I pray that, you know, are we supposed to, are we supposed to step forward in this? I just needed an answer because I know 
that I'll survive either way. It would be hard and kind of at that point, it'd be hard to kind of hear no, because I kind of felt like, okay, I keep seeing these little glimpses. But although it would have been sad and tough to hear, I knew I could do it because I was confident in God's will. So about this time, I I talked to a friend in Texas, and she had kind of a similar situation. She had three kids, and into their they were introduced to a couple of um, like school age kids that were needing to be adopted, and she said, "You know, I prayed and prayed for clarity, and I felt like I wasn't getting." I was like. I know what you're talking about. So she goes, she goes, I t- so I decided to give God a deadline. I was like, um, can you do that? Like, I don't, even, I don't even want to give God a deadline, but it worked for her. So I'm like, hey, at this point, I'll try it. So I said, okay, we're in November. By the end of the year, God, can you please give me some clarity? Because just in this limbo, that didn't feel good. So um, the week after Christmas... We get a call from the orphanage, a call from Grace to Ukraine, and they were telling me that the orphanage is closing that Nikita and Yulia were in. They needed, they asked if we were interested in pursuing adoption because they needed to know if they put them in a foster home in Ukraine, they can't be adopted by international parents, um, but they could send them to a different orphanage. But they needed to know because they needed to move these kids. So we had a week, and, you know, I kind of stalled, actually, telling Adam. Um, Adam, I finally told him, and he usually takes, he, we kind of do this thing where we, we pray about something, we make a decision, we wait a few days, and kind of see where we're at with it. So usually, you know, this takes a few days, almost a week. So, but the next day, he came in after his quiet time, and he says, Every reason I can think of is selfish. And now I hadn't told him about my, you know, my my trip to Georgia and the thoughts that I had during that trip. But it struck me because that was the, you know, that was the swift kick that I had, that, that, that I was feeling selfish. And when he said the word selfish, I went, oh, no. And he said, let's start the process. Let's go for the scarier thing. So in January 2014, we start the paperwork. And not long after, unrest in Ukraine started, and their president actually left the country. He was fleeing to Russia. So they have no president. Um, things are really crazy over there. You know, there's um, just a lot of, rub, you know, these insurgents coming, and there's all this kind of craziness. And But we step kept going forward in faith and doing each part of the paperwork that needed to be done. We just kept moving forward, not really knowing what was going to happen. And we hear towards like the end of the end of the spring in May, our kids, Nikita and Yulia, were in eastern Ukraine. And that's where, you know, all the fighting first broke out. So their orphanage was there. And there's a just this amazing, miraculous story that they got all the kids on a train and got them over to the Odessa region, which is farther, farther west to the safety. And within hours, like the insurgents and the rebels had moved into their city. And if they had got, you know, if they were still there, they would not be able to leave and they would, they would still be there. Um, 
so miraculously he got the kids out. They were in a safe place and we were able to host them that summer through a different hosting agency where you could have them in your home. So we got to have them all summer long. And again, there's some funny stories there, but I'm moving forward. Um, um, but these, the summer's over and we have to send them back. And believe me, uh, we looked and we, we really, you know, we're delving into what, what are the consequences now if we don't send them back? Um, because it was tough. That was a huge trusting God moment because we didn't know where they were going to send them back to. You know, they had gotten them out of this war region, but they thought, you know, you know, there's going to be a little uprising and it's going to calm down and we'll just send them back. Um, so we didn't really know if they were going to send them back to that region or they were going to send them to the safe region. Um, so that was huge. And, and about this time, that song, the ocean song came out. And I think I remember somebody uh, during one of these saying that, that that song played over and over and it kind of drove them crazy, I think, or something similar to that. But I remember thinking when I heard her say that, that I think they were playing that song for me. I really needed to hear those lyrics. You know, it's a, the, especially the bar, it says, trust, spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. And in that moment of sending them back and throughout this journey, my trust would be going beyond its borders, and my feet would be going way beyond where I would normally wander. And so we had some decisions to make because we sent, they did go back and we had to see, you know, what do we do next? Do we, do we submit this paperwork? Do we wait? Do we see th- if things calm down? There was a lot of, uh, so we had as a meeting with the, like the head of the adoption agency. We had a meet, you know, and on the phone we're Skyping with our, the people on the ground in Ukraine. And, um, I knew this, knew this was going to be a big meeting that we, we just really needed, um, some wisdom. So I prayed and prayed and, and, I called uh, that that verse came to mind where he says I called on the Holy Spirit you know if you call on the Holy Spirit to give us to give you godly wisdom then he will do it and just really felt like we should go for it and I felt a calmness and a peace once we had made that decision and in hindsight we're really glad that we did because if we had waited and waited for them to calm down it may never happen because the war there is still going on and there's still unrest in that area. Um, so like I said, miraculously, the kids did get out and they were in Odessa. But unfortunately, the documents, uh, all the paperwork did not get out. It was still over there. And to move forward with this adoption, they were saying that we've got to have documents. Um, so this guy that had known Nikita and Yulia um, he said he's going to go in and get him. So he goes in and he is sneaking in, you know, kind of to get these documents. And he's captured by the rebels. He was beat and left by the side of the road for like, I think at least a day. But someone found him and they took him to the hospital. And while he was recovering there, he calls um, our guy on the ground over there and he says, I'm going back in. And by this point, the rebel law had said that if you get documents and get them to Ukraine, who's now our enemy, that that we see that as treason and that can be punishable by death. So this guy, he got him. And somehow we I mean, this is amazing. They had checkpoints like at every road and they had checkpoints like on the trains. And, you know, they could stop and search you 
you know, anytime they wanted. Um, somehow they got out. Those documents got out. We don't know if they were like walked them through the woods or, you know, how did they get get out because he is still in that region he didn't get out and he stayed there but somehow in Kiev, on our facilitator's doorstep those documents made it so three long trips to ukraine that winter (laughs) and on the second trip we had had some more hiccups because there's always hiccups i was ready for them but i was trying to sleep and i couldn't sleep so i was looking through my journal and i saw this prayer and that that I I wrote down. I said, God, you have moved mountains before. And I know you can with this too. You are bigger. I trust in you, Lord. I put Nikita and Yulia in your hands when they left in August. And I put in parentheses, remember that on my floor in my closet, crying and praying, which is where I get a lot of that done in my closet. And when I left last time in Ukraine, so I will do it again in your hands, Father, is where they belong. So that's where they were for the rest of the adoption. And finally, on that third trip in February of 2015, we got to bring them home. Um, Yulia, who is now goes by Elizabeth, she was 11, and Nikita, he was 15, although when we got home, he turned 16 the next day. So we were home nine months, um, about nine, it was about nine months, and, you know, adopting two older children is um, can be tough. And at this point, um, I was really, man, it was, it was a tough, tough season. I was really at my wit's end. I was really just not sure how much more I could take. We had trouble getting them, you know, try to go back to try to get them into school. That was really difficult. And I had heard something I had not heard before. Two of my children told me, you're not my real mom. Like, I don't have to listen to you. You're not my real mom. So... Uh, next thing, uh, I was sitting at this light on 280 in Rocky Ridge, and you know that light takes forever. <laughs> so I sit there, and I remember my phone rang, and I looked down at the number, and I was like, it's one of those numbers you're like, I don't know if I want to answer that. But I did. I went ahead and answered it, and it was the phone call that said, you're, that confirmed my breast cancer diagnosis. And, you know, I love Christian music. Like I mentioned, the um, Ocean song, <laughs> and I love that on my radio, I, especially in Birmingham here, I can have five stations ready to go. <laughs> like if this one's not going well and I need something to, to jam to, then I can change it. Um, so at that time, again, a song that really, really um, connected with me was Lauren Daigle's Trust in You. And the part where she says, when you don't move the mountains, I'm needing you to move. See, I had had God move mountains in my life, and I know he can move mountains. Then she says, when you don't part the waters, I wish I could walk through. When you don't give the answers as I cry out to you, I will trust, I will trust, I will trust in you. So off we go again, and I will trust in you. So clearly God knows more than we do about how much we can handle and I'm proof of that. I'm still standing here today. I'm here to share my story. <laughs> my heart is still beating. I'm a cancer survivor, and my kids are surviving, and they know that they are loved by Jesus, their Savior. 
um, and on my card, the card that y'all get today, um, I decided in my journal, I saw way back when that I had James one, two through four written in there. And it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your of your faith produces perseverance, but perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. And that was kind of cool. Um, kind of wrap this up, but I was telling Adam, my husband the other night that this is the verse I'm going to share. And he goes, really? I was like, yeah. And he says, I just shared that at work in a meeting. I was like, what? And he goes, I watched, he had watched earlier in the week, he had watched um, Francis Chan um, do a video about it. So he shared it. And it was like a seven minute video. And um, we got it on right now media, but I'm sure you can find it other places. But he had talked about this verse. And it was so cool because he said that testing of your faith creates a perseverance in you, making you stronger and more steadfast, which I was like, gosh, I can relate to that in my story. And that term for testing, which I thought was really cool, he talked about it. It, it was a term that the silversmiths used about that, uh, back in that day. And they had talked about they, they'd boil and they heat up the silver. They heat it up and, and the, the impurities would all come to the surface and they would scoop them off the top and they'd heat it and they'd boil it. And again, the, the impurities come up and they just skim them off the top, you know, over and over the heating and the boiling and the pressure and that pulled all those impurities to the top. And when they knew that it was ready, they would look at it and they would see the reflection. And he, ta- he made the connection that all these trials will bring out our impurities and their God purifying us. And that one, so that one day um, that God can look in on us and see his reflection. And y'all, that is so cool. I just was like, that's so cool. And, and that's exciting for me because it kind of helps me to know any, whatever trials, I'm sure there'll become more coming my way, but whatever trials there are, you know, I can have joy in them and I can face them because they're making me more pure and more and more closer to God and more and more like Jesus. So I thank y'all for, for listening to my story today. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed hearing Heather's story and were encouraged by it, especially knowing that we're going to go through hard times, even when it's something God's called us to, and especially when it's something God's called us to, but man, is it always worth it and more than we could ever imagine or dream. I'm sure there's a handful of people out there who have just listened to this story and have had something that they have not been able to get off their mind. And now you're saying, oh my goodness, what is God asking me to do? Uh, So it would be so neat to hear the ways that this story uh, will encourage and embolden people to be curious and to lean into God and to discover whatever it is that He might be prompting you to do, Um, a big leap of faith that He's waiting for you to take. We're so grateful that you tuned into the story. Uh, We post a new story every Tuesday, and of course, we're always thankful for um, you spreading the word and any ratings and reviews that you are able to give us on iTunes. So we look forward to you joining us again. This is Storytellers Live, and we'll see you next time.